We're gonna get started. Start to bug your. Uh, you don't have to leave. Yeah, please. How's that? How's everyone enjoying the, the conference so far? It's ending today, but it's, it's been a good conference. Yes. Well, my name is Mark. I am the executive pastor of the Rock Church in Brent, California, 45 minutes east of San Francisco. Uh, I serve under my dad. We planted in 2009 Easter. Uh, we didn't plant with Ark. We uh, joined part with Ark about four years ago. I would not recommend plant, uh, launching a church with the 14 and 15 family members and then have them move out of state after the fact. <laughs> but it's been a journey. But I'm blessed to be here. I'm blessed to be a part of Ark, the resources, the relationships, and I'm blessed to be here to to introduce our next your next speaker. Um, he wrote a book, I Am. So if you're a church planner, church leader, a leader in general, get the book with in the back. He'll be signing them afterward with a journal. So he is a pastor, he is an author, he is a husband, he's a father, he's a mentor. So please help me welcome up Matt Fry. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome to the final session of Mark West Coast. You guys are warriors, and I'm so glad that you're here. When I said I'm doing the last session after the final group session, I thought, man, this is, is anybody going to be there? <laughs> Everybody's like, see you later, I'm catching a flight, okay. And so I'm glad you guys are here, right? Because uh, I believe God um, can work in different environments, no matter if there's, you know, a thousand people or there's, or there's just one person. Amen? And so let's, I believe God's going to do something great here today. So um, my name is Matt Fry, and uh, my wife, my wife Martha, is here. We've been married for 26 years. We started C3 Church 20 years ago. In fact, this next month of, of October, we're going to spend the whole month celebrating our 20-year anniversary. And uh, when we started, we didn't start with the ark. We had no organization at the time. Uh, we, we, we like to say it this way, you can, you can plant the arc way or the hard way. <laughs> and we did it the hard way. And a couple years into it, I'll tell the story in a moment, but we connected with the arc and um, met Greg Surratt and then I met Billy Hornsby and then the rest of the uh, bunch of the guys in the original arc lead team. And then not long after that, um, I was a part, they asked me to join the arc lead team as well. So I've been serving with those guys for, wow, I guess at least 15 years or so. The first art conference I went to was in Minnesota, and it was at Rob Taylor's church, at River Valley Church, and I think there were maybe <coughs> 60 or 70 pastors there with round tables, and that was my very first art conference. Had no plans of going. I was sitting in a coffee shop working on my sermon, and Billy Hornsby called me. And he said, hey, are you going to Minnesota next week? I'm like, what's in Minnesota? He's like, it's the art conference. I'm like, Billy, I didn't know anything about it. He said, well, you need to go. <laughs> Billy's in heaven now, but I mean, he was, you know, he, he, just, he had a direct way. He was like, you, you need to go. Oh, okay. I said, I can't go. I, I mean, I can't afford it. It's too late to buy a plane ticket. You know, I'm like a church player. I've got like, you know, we got like, I don't know, a couple hundred people in the church at the time. I can't remember. And, and so he said, he said, I said, Billy, we can't afford it. He said, hey, don't worry about that. He said, um, you go ahead and book your plane flight, make your plans. I'll reimburse you for everything. And by the way, I want Martha there, too. She needs to be there. So bring Martha, and I'll cover all your expenses. Just save all the receipts. And so I hopped on the plane, went up there. 
And we know God provided. I never had to turn in receipts. God provided, and then the rest is history. It's been my tribe ever since. That's the heart of the ark, is generosity, is investment. You know, I was just some no-name church planner a couple years into it with no friends, no, no family. And uh, guys like Billy Hornsby and Greg Surratt reached out to me. That's why I'm here. In fact, in many ways, probably why I'm still in ministry is because of those relationships. So they asked me to do an app session on the family. So I'm going to speak on how to grow your church without losing your family. How to grow your church without losing your family. How many of you have children? How many of them are, are uh, under the teenage years? They're, they're under, or how many of you have mostly like teenagers on up? Awesome. Okay, so we, we have um, a, a daughter who's 23 years old, and she actually lives in L.A., and I have a daughter who's 22 years old, and she's my personal assistant, and she's getting married in November. So pray for me, pray for us. <laughs> our, our first child to get married. And then um, my youngest, Caleb, is 19. Uh, he, uh, he's in our college. We have a, a college at our church, a C3 college, and we partner with the Southeastern University. So uh, it's a fully accredited college, and he gets hands-on training. So he's also had involved in our worship ministry, leads our youth worship band, and uh, he writes songs. And we have a uh, worship album coming out in October, uh, October 26th. On a Friday, our first EP, four-song EP, and he was involved in the writing team and putting that together. And so that's pretty exciting. So he's, he's a very passionate, talented young man. And all three of my kids are really proud of them. And they're all on different journeys, right? My oldest, Gloria, is here in L.A., and she majored in theater at Liberty University. And so she's kind of pursuing that dream. She really wants to impact the, the movie industry. And uh, she's got some ideas of writing and producing and so forth. But right now she's in the hospitality business, so she's serving in a, in a restaurant as a waiter. But, uh, but that's her dream. And we, we tell our kids, you know, pursue the, pursue the dream that's in your heart. So what can I tell you about growing your church without losing your family? And I'm going to bring Martha up here in a, in a moment, and we're going to do some Q&A. Uh, because I, how many know it takes two people, right? right. Yeah. It takes a, a husband and a wife. It takes a mom and a dad. And there's no way that we would see, and our kids are not perfect, but we wouldn't see where, what they'd become if it wasn't for Martha's investment because she's been such a faithful mom. She homeschooled all three. She helped co-found the church. She serves on her staff. She preaches. She leads. Uh, she so many different areas. Leads worship. And she's been there, like, from the beginning. Like, you, Caleb, you were pregnant with our youngest when we started the church. Like, two little girls, you are pregnant with Caleb. She missed one Sunday, the Sunday, she, like, she gave birth. And then the next Sunday, she was back at it, right? And so that's, she was, she was definitely uh, a warrior for God. So the first thing I would say, if you want to take notes, you can. The first thing I would say, and I think I'm supposed to be using this microphone, so for uh, because they're recording it. The first thing is this, is you must put your spouse first. There's a book that we read a long time ago called Growing Kids God's Way and, and Baby Wise. And one of the principles in there is make sure that you put your wife or, or your spouse first. So whenever I would come home, we would have some couch time. So you take five or ten minutes and sit on the couch as a husband and wife rather than the children getting the first of your attention, the spouse gets the first of your attention, and just building into your family that that mommy comes first. We love our children, but they need to see stability 
in your marriage. They need to see stability in your relationship with your spouse. So the first thing I would say is make sure that you put your spouse first. Obviously, God's first, right? But I'm talking about in the family environment that don't have a child-centered family, but have a, uh, a, a your, make sure your spouse, your marriage comes first. You might say, well, that seems kind of selfish. But if you put your child first, then your marriage is going to suffer. And then how many of you know it doesn't matter how good the church is going, if your marriage isn't healthy, it doesn't really matter. And so Martha and I, we've, through the years, um, you know, it's been challenging, you know, planning a church and growing a church. And, and we've gone through different seasons. And, and so we've consistently at different times had counselors, different types of counselors. Martha and I both have a coach that we talk to on a regular basis. Um, and they, they speak things to us that sometimes aren't really the, fun, the most fun thing to hear, but, but they speak truth to us. And uh, we, we ha- in addition to that, we have counselors that we meet with, and we're always trying to resource ourselves. And, and so I'm just here to tell you that um, you just never stop growing. You have to make sure you invest in your marriage and invest in your spouse and, and put them first. And, and you never arrive, but you got to just keep leaning into that, right? And not beat yourself up when you make mistakes, or, uh, but just keep loving each other. Of course, I could, do, I could go into a lot more on that, but make sure you have a date night. You know, make sure that you spend time uh, together. Prioritize that. Don't make excuses for it. Somebody's like, well, can you do this? No, I have a date night. Just say, no, I have, something, I have an important meeting to go to, right? They don't need to know what it is. Uh, and uh, so make sure your spouse is, is first. Number two, I would say take your kids on the journey with you. Take your kids on the journey. Um, we were early in our in our. Uh, church planning and the church is uh, several years old and our kids are starting to grow up and and I'm, I was starting to get invited to speak and travel and for different things and Martha was as well and our schedules are getting really busy and I, we found ourselves like leaving our kids at home a lot and like leaving them with a nanny or leaving them with somebody and Martha and I both we talked we said we, we, we need to be careful here, here that we take our kids on the journey with us our th- all three of our kids love church they, they were always the first ones to be at church. They wanted to be at all of the services that we had, and they were usually the last ones to leave. They loved church. And so we just took them on the journey with us. And then so we made a decision. So because I, I was think, I was like, how we can't afford to take all three of our kids on these trips, you know, like to an art conference, for example, or to, you know, on a mission trip or to go speak at a church. But we thought, well, we can take one. Right. So, Mark, if you get invited to speak at a women's conference or you go to a women's conference, then why don't you take one of our, our children, one of our girls, for example, with you on that trip? And if I get asked to speak somewhere or I'm traveling to a conference or I'm invited to, uh, to an event, then I'll take one of the kids with me. And then once a year or so or maybe once every two years, we'll take the whole family. So one year we took the whole family to Hillsong to the Hillsong Conference. Well, that was a once-in-a-lifetime. We couldn't, we only did that once, right? We didn't do it every year, but we did it once. Uh, one year, we, we took our whole family to Swaziland, Africa, and we did a mission trip together, and uh, that was culture shock for them, uh, and they were they were younger then, you know, so like high, uh, maybe high school to middle school to elementary age at that time, but it was a huge shift for them that, you know, you can take your kids to Disneyland, but we took our kids to Swaziland, <laughs> and, uh, and it's worth the investment because their life changed forever. I mean, it marked them, and so they, now they all three have a, have a, a, a 
a passion for world for the world and for missions, and we we get together, we talk about different places that we traveled to, and um, I got asked to speak at. You're talking about Scott Hornsby, uh, Scott Hornsby down in Bluff Creek, Louisiana. He asked me to come speak at his church, and uh, Bluff Creek is like out in the middle of nowhere, and I and you know, I stayed in, a, in his little trailer in the back, I stayed in his trailer on a little lake. It sounds like I'm roughing it, but it was it was fun, man. The four wheelers, you go fishing, eat boudin balls and etouffee, and and uh, took my son Caleb. We went to LSU football game. Now my son's like hardcore LSU. Like he, he's like, he's all about LSU. He gets nervous on game day. He's got his LSU hat on his shirt and he's like all nervous. And then the whole gang's excited. And, and that all happened because I took him on a journey to, LSU, to Louisiana. And he, you know, he became an LSU fan because Scott Hornsby and Billy Hornsby uh, brainwashed him. And so uh, I would just say, take your kids on a journey with you. Think about how can I do that? How can I take them on the journey not always leave them behind. You may not be able to take, if you have more than one child, you may not be able to take all of them. But, but take them on the journey with you. And, and then they don't have this, you know, anti-church or the church stole my parents or God stole my parents type of perspective. Uh, another thing I would say is don't, don't make it church versus family. Make sure it's not like you have like church and then you have family. Make it about Jesus. Make it about God. And... It's okay, I just want to free you up, it's okay to like have like a, like life can be like a big old stew. Like you have family, you have church, and you have fun time, and it all kind of mixes in. Because when you have a life-giving environment, sometimes you don't know, like I'm at church, but we're talking about football. But I'm in a football game, and we're talking about family, and I'm with family, we're talking about the church. And don't feel like you have to compartmentalize, like this is my church time, and this is my family time, and this is my recreational time. It's just, it's just life. And, and just do life and not get stressed out over it. And don't make it like, don't go home and talk negative about the church, right? Make sure that, that, that you're talking, your conversations at home are, of course, we've made that mistake at times, and Mark and I will be having staff meeting at home, right? And, and the kids will be over here, and we're not really thinking about what they're here, and sometimes it's wrestling through some challenges. So, so just be careful. I'm, what I'm telling you, we haven't done perfect at, and we, and still, we still make mistakes even though our kids are older now. But I'm, I, I would just encourage you, don't make it church versus family. There's no competition. We're not in competition with each other. It's all we're working together to impact the kingdom. Um, have a family night. We would do a family night once a month, and we would do it at home and let the let when the kids got older, whatever age your children are, we would let each of them kind of plan the night, like plan the theme and uh, plan the game that we we're going to play, and what type of food do you want to have? It's Mexican night, or it's Italian night, or it's pizza night, or whatever. We put, had to put them on a budget eventually because it was like they're getting party hats and you know <laughs> balloons. They're like, hold on, hold on, we can't have once a month, you know, huge blowout birthday birthday party type flow. So, but have a have a have a good family night. Um, under that, I would say don't take yourself so seriously. Sometimes you, you feel the weight of the whole church in your shoulder. Can I remind you that he says, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. So it's his church, it's not my church. And so the weight's not on my shoulders. Jesus already did the heavy lifting. So it's not up to me, right? God never tells you to build his church. He says, I will build my church. Now, we build disciples, but he builds the church. 
So we focus on disciple making, and then God builds his church. Does that make sense? Yeah. One more I would say, um, not one more, but the next one would be don't do ministry alone. We've heard this a lot, but I'm just telling you right now that my best friends on the planet are a part of the ark. Not all of my friends are in the ark, obviously, but some of my best friends that I would call in a time of crisis or a time of need are in the ark family. And because we've been a part of the ark for so long and our kids have grown up, all they know is, the, is, is, is our church. That's the only church they know, and the ark is the only church planning organization that they really know, right? Now, now, guess what? Some of their best friends are the PKs. Their best friends are Dino Rizzo's kids and Chris Hodges' kids and, and uh, uh, Stovall and, and uh, John Siebling and the Ketterlings. You know, some of their best friends are other pastors' kids. So now they're carrying on that generation of like, now that they have family. So as they get older, it's, it's encouraging to me to know that they're going to have a tribe they're going, to have a, they're going to have relationships that were formed when they were a child or a teenager. So don't forget that if, as you become a part of the Ark family, which is very easy, by the way. You just show up. <laughs> it's a pretty easy way to be a part. That there will be a generational impact. That your, your kids will, be a, will benefit from that, and they'll be a part of this family. Uh, even as you, you and I get older, right? They're going to benefit from that. Does that make sense? Uh, I would say take care of yourself. If you're going to reach, grow your church without losing your family, how many of you know you got to take care of yourself? I could have started with that first, but I want to kind of, kind of come back towards the end. Is we need to make sure that we're we're growing ourselves, that we're resourcing ourselves. Martha and I are are, are reading books uh, on a regular basis uh, that are going to help us individually and help us in our marriage. And then our staff gets the overflow. There's a book we read a few years ago, actually in preparation for a, for a counseling session. And it's a book called How We Love. And you can go to howwelove.com. There's a free uh, uh, How We Love. Anybody familiar with that, How We Love? Uh, but you can go there and take a, a, how, a love quiz, and you can determine, like, what are the things that, that are challenging you to overcome loving people? So you probably heard of the five love languages. This is kind of the flip side of it. And I don't have time to go into it. If you want it, we can talk more about that in the Q&A when I bring Martha up. It's howwelove.com. Howwelove.com. It's a free quiz. It doesn't cost anything. Of course, if you want to buy the book, obviously that costs. And I'm not here to promote that. I'm just telling you, like, it, it was a huge game changer for us and even for our staff and for our church. And so now it's part of our language now because the five things, I might not get all the five of them, like vacillator, avoider, pleaser, victim, and controller. And so now these don't define you, right? But it doesn't help you identify these are things that are going to be a, a challenge that you're going to have to learn to overcome and be set free from primarily some things that have maybe happened to you in the past to help you to love people. So, so I scored, for example, kind of high on the avoider. So I can tend to avoid rather than lean in and step into a, a time, during a time of conflict. And so I've had to learn how to overcome being an avoider and not avoid conflict, not avoid the hard conversation, but to lean into that. Uh, one of Martha's is vacillator. A vacillator vacillates back and forth. Right? So a vacillator, like one minute is like, hey, get close to me. The next minute is like, get away. <laughs> one minute is like, hey, will you come help me? Next minute is like, will you leave me alone? I can do this by myself. So it's kind of a vacillator. 
And, and so vacillators, by the way, tend to marry avoiders, right? So you can see how that – so vacillators tend to be angry, and then avoiders just run and hide. So that's why counseling is helpful. So, so how we so, so now that I'm so I'm a recovering or an overcoming avoider. I don't define I don't define myself as an avoider, but I am overcoming as an avoider and learning to, to love people. And guess what? I was also doing that with my staff and with in other relationships, not just with Martha. So you just have to make sure you take care of your soul, take care of yourself, keep learning, keep growing, make sure that you stay healthy, have margin in your life, don't live at a hundred percent. Make sure you take a day off. Make sure you spend time alone with God. Make you take a Sabbath. Don't feel guilty about it. Unplug from social media. We can't live at 100% all the time. You've heard the stats. 250 pastors leave the ministry every month. 90% feel inadequate. 50% want to quit, and they would if they could find a job that would pay them what, they, what they're making. And only one out of ten that that graduate from seminary will actually retire in the ministry. So we want to do a better job of that, don't we? Take care of ourselves. So some questions I ask, uh, you might want to ask yourself, what do I do every day to take care of myself? What do I do every week? What do I do every month? What do I do every year? What do I do every few years? So, for example, what you do every day, spend time alone with God, spend time in prayer. Think about things that you should do daily, right? Every week, have a Sabbath. That's one, that's one of the only commandments that we think is optional, right? Have a Sabbath. Take, take care of yourself. It's, it's, God put that there for us to take care of every year. What do you do once a year? We take some time once a year as a church to do 21 days of prayer and fasting. To kind of set the tone for the year. So there should be some things that you do once a year. We try to do a family trip. Uh, for a while it was snow skiing together. And now we're trying to figure out if the family changing is going to be beach or we did beach this summer, right? So, but what are you going to do once a year? Different things individually as a family and even in ministry. And then what are you going to do every few years? Maybe every six or seven years take, a, take an extended break, a sabbatical or a, a whole month off and and, and take care of yourself. So just those are some questions that I had to kind of work through to take care of myself. And then lastly, I would say, and this, um, I mentioned some of this in the, in the book that I wrote. And if you want one, I think they're set up to make them available. And I'll be glad to sign them for you. Um, but to discover and declare who you are in Christ. Discover and declare who you are in Christ. That if we're going to live out the purpose that God has for us. If we're going to grow our church without losing our family and grow our church without losing our mind, we need to understand who we are in Christ. And for me, that was a game changer. Um, you know, as pastors, we experience loneliness. We experience discouragement. We experience fatigue. We experience feelings of being a failure. Um, a lot of times after I get done preaching, it doesn't matter how many people got saved or whatever. I get off the stage. Anybody else deal with this? When, when you start driving home, you're like, man, that sermon wasn't very good. You know, the devil starts messing with you. Man, you could have done a better job with that. Sometimes the sermons, I think, are the worst. People are like, man, that, that sermon was just for me, man. It like, changed my life. And then the sermons, I'm thinking, I knocked it out of the park. Martha's like, uh, you know. 
So you never know. Like you might think it's good or bad, but don't let the devil mess with your mind and make you think you're a failure. Preach the word of God. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. I try to pray every week. We have a prayer time as a staff on Tuesdays, and I try to pray. Get, I, I, I kneel down exactly where I'm going to be preaching every week. I say, Lord, I pray that this Sunday my preaching would be a demonstration of wise and persuasive words of man and not a de- demonstration of, of man's wisdom. And I want to hide behind the cross, let people see the cross, let people see Jesus. It's all about you. The pressure's not on me. The power's in the word. And I just pray a prayer, something like that. Then I realize the, my identity is not tied into my performance. My identity is not tied into how many people raised their hands and got saved. That's up to God. I can't control the results. I can't control the fruit, but I can be faithful to preach the word. Um, sometimes the devil messes with me when after I share something that I've struggled with. You ever shared something either in a small group or with the, in, in your church? Something that you struggled with and something that you overcame. And it could be a little embarrassing when you kind of take off the mask and are really vulnerable about maybe being sexually abused when you were younger or maybe uh, a failure you had in, 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 uh, in a relationship or a failure you had in immorality or whatever it might be, right? That it's, it's embarrassing to kind of take, that, take the mask off and share that with people. And I've done that, uh, you know, many times and just shared my story, my journey. I share a little bit in the I Am book about when I was t- a teenager and somebody sexually violated me and and that I just kind of carried that with me, buried it, avoided it for a long time. God brought it to the surface, got healed from it, set free. And so when I share that sometimes, the devil messes with me like I'm, he tries to make me feel dirty or makes me feel like ashamed, right? And so we need to understand who we are in Christ because the devil is constantly trying to speak words over us. So we need to understand who we are in Christ. And then we must daily declare who we are in Christ, when I was in youth ministry, uh, I'd been in, I was a youth pastor for 13 years, and, and I didn't realize that my identity was so tied into being a youth pastor. And when I found myself um, out of a job, I was no longer the youth pastor, and I was asked to, to leave staff. And I'll never forget going home and sitting on the couch and, and just feeling at first kind of sorry for myself, you know, and then, then I was like, who, who am I? I remember thinking to myself, who am I? Because my whole life I've, I've been Matt fried the blank. I, I started wrestling when I was nine years old. And I found some success in that and went throughout high school and, and to university. Got a scholarship to wrestle in college. And so that was my identity. I was Matt Fry the wrestler. Then I accepted the call to ministry. And I immediately started working in youth ministry as a volunteer. And then later on on staff. So I went directly from being Matt Fry the wrestler to Matt Fry the youth pastor. And now I'm just Matt Fry. In fact, not only that, but I was working part-time as a custodian, trying to provide for my family. I never forget cleaning this police station. And, uh, of course, when you're cleaning a police station, they have to leave some staff there for security. So I'm cleaning this police office, and this uh, police police officer was in, the, in his office behind his desk. And I said, excuse me, sir, can I, can I get that trash can for you? He said, wait a second, aren't you the youth pastor of that church down the street? And I said, well, I used to be. And I kind of awkwardly changed the subject. And I said, well, can I get that transplant for and, and I left, and I just went back home, and I just felt like, who am I? I just felt like a failure. Here I am, I'm a dad. I have two little girls. And, you know, and that's when God spoke to me. And I was reading Philippians chapter 3 where it says, Paul says, I want to know Christ. 
and the power of his resurrection. And I said, yes, Lord, I want your power. But then it says, in fellowship and my suffering, I'm like, Lord, I've had enough suffering. I don't want any more of that, right? I want your power. He said, you can't have the power without the suffering. I said, well, Lord, whatever it takes, I want to know you. And it was through that experience that God spoke to me and says, you're not Matt Fry, a youth pastor. You're not Matt Fry. You're Matt Fry, a follower of Jesus. You're Matt Fry, a child of God. You're Matt Fry, a Christian. And it was through that journey that I discovered that my identity isn't tied in with my performance, my title, my education. My identity is God says, I'm a child of God. And I, he's my heavenly daddy. And I don't know what your daddy was like on earth. My daddy was amazing. But he never hung out with me. He traveled and, you know, he kind of did his thing and was highly respected by a lot of people. But he never told me, like, he loved me. He never played ball with me. He never hung out with me. So I saw God as a big God, but he was very distant. So when I realized I have a heavenly daddy who loves me, he wants to play ball with me. He wants to hang out with me. That was a game changer for me. And so then, recently, a few years ago, this is before there was even a book out here or anything like that. I began to do some research into the word in, you know, the Old Testament. God tells Moses his name. He says, my name is I am, right? And so he's, God uses Moses to deliver his people from slavery. Then in, 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 uh, in the New Testament, then Jesus shows up in the Gospel of John seven times. He says, I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. Seven times. So it kind of clicked. I was like, wait a second. Jesus is also the great I am, right? Because he's God. And then I began to look all throughout Scripture, and the Bible was filled with who God says that I am. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am God's masterpiece. I am a warrior. And I began to, wow, wait a second. So here's the revelation that God gave to me. When I encounter the great I am, that's when I discover who I am. When I encounter the great I am, that's when I discover who I am. And then I can live out the purpose and plan that God has for me. So I began to look all throughout these I am declarations, and I, I wrote, wrote down the ones that God spoke to me the most, and ended up with 31 I am declarations. And I thought that's perfect because there's one for every day of the month. And so when, later on, when a publisher came to me and asked me to consider writing a book, and there were two or three ideas, and they, they liked this one the best because they said people are struggling today with their identity. In fact, the word of the year a couple years ago, like the, the most researched word was identity. And so they thought that's what's going to hit our culture's needs today because so many people are struggling with their identity, probably because of social media and all the technology now. Everybody's struggling with who they are. And so at the end of the book, I put 31 I am declarations. Now, if you get the book, they're there. You can have scripture and some, and some prayers to declare along with them. But then uh, many people said, you know, I wish we had those 31 declarations in a way that I could, I could carry them around rather than having to carry a book around. You don't want to have to carry a whole book around, you know, all the time. So with some help, we were able to uh, provide for free uh, some bookmarks. So you can go to macfry.com. You can download a bookmark, and it has all 31 declarations in there. You just print them out on, from your computer. So you can have the hard copy there. You can print off as many as you want. Also, what's really cool for me, if you have a smartphone, you can download the Reminder app. And then on MattFry.com, you can, you can download the 31 declarations. It's all free. 31 declarations. And so on my phone, every, every day at 6 a.m. on my Reminder app, it reminds me 
uh, of one of the declarations. So today, when I woke up, so today's declaration was, I should remember, I, am, I think it's I am significant, right? I am significant. And so, so I, I, use, I use these all the time. And I declare the one for every day, right, over my life. I just do this for me because I have to. Because the devil is always speaking negative words over me. And you may have had other people that have spoken negative words over you. And those words keep uh, going over your head, you know, in your mind over and over. So I have to overcome that by speaking who God says that I am. And then I'll grab a hold of these, some of these uh, declarations whenever I'm, like, for example, I don't like going to the dentist. I don't feel like going to the dentist. I don't like going to the dentist. And so I've had to go to the dentist uh, here recently several times, and I, I get filled with anxiety. Even for a cleaning, I get filled with anxiety. And so I begin to declare, I am more than a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. It might sound silly to you, but for me, it's like faith rises up within me, and all of a sudden I, I'm not filled with anxiety and fear anymore. Because rather than declaring I'm afraid, I'm nervous, I don't want to go, I just start declaring what God says about me, and then all of a sudden... You know, I feel a peace. Um, even in, in a conference like this, you know, one of the declarations is, I am wanted, right? A lot of times you don't feel wanted. You know, even in a big conference like this, today's declaration, I am significant. Sometimes you don't feel very significant because you hear testimonies on stage of somebody whose church grew from a zero to a thousand in one year, and you're like, I'm just trying to break the hundred mark, right? And it can be deflating because God sees me as significant. Does that make sense? So there's power. Of course, even the Bible says, Proverbs says, that uh, out of your mouth, uh, that, that your words have the power of life and death, right? And our words can build up, or our words can tear down, our words can encourage, or our words can, dis can discourage. So I'm going to read these 31 to you, and then Martha's going to come up here, and we're going to answer any questions you have. So here are the 31. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am God's masterpiece. I am made in the image of God. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am called by name. I am a new creation. I am greatly loved by God. I am his child. I am an heir of God and co-heir with Christ. I am a member of God's family. I am blessed in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing. I am chosen to be a part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation set apart for God. I am his treasured possession. I am precious to God. I am a temple of the living God. I am full and complete, lacking nothing. I am the righteousness of God. I am his ambassador. I am free. I am healed. I am whole. I am more than a conqueror. I am a warrior for Christ. I am wanted. I am significant. I am a citizen of God's kingdom. I am sent by God. I am light in the darkness. I am a friend of God, chosen by him, and appointed to bear good fruit. I am his radiant bride, and I am without spot or wrinkle. Can we give God praise for that? So there we are. And so if you go to mattcry.com, there's so many free resources. What, what I tried to do when I wrote this book was put together resources for, for church planners and for, for, for pastors. So the book is over there. I believe the, the personal guide is over there as well. Now, you can order those online. You can contact me, and I can give you the discount. And my daughter, Carolyn, will ship, ship whatever you want. And if you want me to, I'll sign books for you as well for your church. 
But you have the IM book, and then there's the study guide that goes with it. And that's for small groups or for personal use. If you go to, uh, to mattfry.com, the reminders are on there, as well as the Google Calendar reminders. And then the, um, there's, uh, the, there's five videos that go with the small group curriculum. They're 15 minutes, and there's, I'm on there as well as some testimonies of people whose stories are in the book. So you get, they get to see the faces of the people whose stories are in the book. And these are powerful, life-changing stories. And they're 15 minutes each, five weeks. So you can show those in your in your small groups. And then so it's all, it's all turnkey. Plus, you can take the seven chapters and do a sermon series. And, and now you can give me credit for it. Just go ahead and take the, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great series before Easter or, or even coming out of Easter or leading up to Christmas. Because it's all about Jesus. It's seven, seven chapters of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And it's like... It's, it's a huge blessing to people, not only who are doing their walk with Christ, but really helping people get stronger in their walk with Christ, knowing who Jesus is. And then, of course, chapter 8 is where you see the 31 line of declaration. So go to mattfry.com, download free stuff, and just it, initially uh, the publisher wanted me to charge everybody for it. And so I said, is there a way we can just get up there free and just like bless everybody for free? So the only thing you have to buy is the, is the hard copy and everything else is free. All the videos and everything else. So that's there for your use. Is that cool? Yeah. Awesome. Great. Awesome. Martha, will you come up here? Absolutely. Martha and I have been married for 26 years. And as I mentioned, she serves on staff. And yeah. A lot of exciting things are happening in your life. So if you want, just raise your hand. And Can you talk about a little bit about planting with small children, the dynamics of the early planning stage, obviously more time spent at church during those years than now, I'm sure, maybe, maybe not, but can you talk about the dynamics of integrating young children into planting? Yeah, so when, when we planted, I was pregnant, and we had two little girls, uh, two, uh, two and three and two. Still, I don't know. They were just little. I think they were still in diapers when, because I wasn't a good potty training mom, so they were still in diapers. I had, you know, I was pregnant with Caleb and all that stuff. And so, um, and we're up at 6 o'clock. I'm like an all-in person. Now, ladies, let me just say this, and husbands, don't use me as the standard. You know, every wife comes with a different personality and all that. But I just... I mean, I got to church before Matt did. You know what I mean? Right. I'm like, I'm, I mean, he's the last one there, and I'm the first one there. But so, um, so what I did, so some practical things that I did is um, uh, we, we got somebody to come spend the night at our house Saturday night. And they would get the kids up and the two girls and get them up and get them dressed for church and, and everything like that. Lots of times they would get, you know, kids wake up early. They'd be up early and wanting to like just, Mom, we want to go with you, you know. So, okay, come on. But when I had, then when we had Caleb, I mean, I had to have somebody. But so we just had a girl come stay the night Saturday night. She got all the kids up, got them dressed. If they were up, I'd help get them dressed and stuff. Then I'm out the door and she's still getting them breakfast. So, um, so we just did that. I, so when we had Caleb, let me, I'm like, it's like they're 23 now, so let me think back. Mm-hmm. So when I had Caleb, and he, and so I was a nursing mom and all that, so no joke. God took him with me to church. Somebody's taking care of the girls. I would run the worship rehearsal. 
we had a private room. I'd go take care of Caleb, feed him, come back and have church. Church was like, worship was, I was just like, ah, you know, like whatever. So that was me. So, but let me be practical. Like hire help. You know what I mean? Like, and get it like it's somebody you trust and feel comfortable with. Get somebody to come. Hey, you know, some young teenager, college girl that would love to help with the kids. Um, that uh, when they got old, like, uh, as they got older, I hired somebody to clean the house. When I, you know, now this wasn't the first year of the church because I know funds are tight, but a little bit later on when money was a little bit more coming in and I was getting paid and Matt was getting, you know, paid and stuff. I hired, a, I hired a housekeeper. So let me just free you girls up, hire a housekeeper. I homeschooled, and I sound really grand when you tell the story like, oh, I homeschooled, and I ran, I worked at the church, all that stuff. So I homeschooled in the morning, and I hired, we had a nanny, a girl that went to the church that came and um, took, you know, helped the kids in the afternoon. So I just hired help, if that helps. So, because you can't do it, you can't do it all. Does that kind of help a little bit, you know? And so, but, but our kids love church. They would get up. We, when we did a Saturday night service, they were like, we were like, okay, we're going to get a babysitter to come watch you Saturday night. And they were like, no, we want to go to church, you know? So we just, church was just fun. You know what I mean? They just, they, it was fun. Their kids were there. When we built the building, wheelies were in. Our kids came, had their wheelies on. People in the church would get mad because kids were, you know, running around in their wheelies, but we were like, whatever. So we just had a, we, we wanted it to be, a, we wanted our kids to love church. We wanted our staff kids to love church. So in the summer, um, uh, if a staff, the, the staff kids could hang out at the church in the summer. We kind of had a kid's room, and um, I think there were a couple of summers we hired somebody to watch the kids, but it wasn't like a daycare you know, and yes, they were, you know, they would get into stuff they weren't, and they'd, somebody would have to get on, hey, guys, you know, you know, but we just wanted all of the staff kids and stuff to love church, so, you know, we just, we just made it work, and, you know, stuff like, does that kind of help answer a little bit of your questions and stuff? So, those are some things we did. Hey, let me say, tell you, tell you this, because I don't want to, I wrote this down. One thing that we didn't do that I learned and I wish we would have done, so now I'm telling everybody to do it. Lots of times preachers' kids can feel like they're being preached at when you do family devotion. But you're like, we, we want to connect and we want, you know, we don't want to tell the church, like, have family time, but we don't. But then you have it and your kids are like, oh, you know, I'm being preached at and stuff. So I, this is from a pastor, but what they started doing was they did, um, they would do a worship song. So I'm like, oh my goodness, if you have elementary kids, that's easy. Like, pick out a fun song and do motions to it, but whatever. But even in high school, I just get like a YouTube lyric video of Hills, you know, okay, who's picking out their favorite song? And even if they're at the attitude where, well, I'm not singing it, just play it loud and they're at least in the atmosphere of it, you know? So start, just let that kind of create the environment. And then if they're young, um, have them, have everybody go around and share like three things they're thankful for, you know? So every night, everybody's sharing something they're thankful for. When they're older, a great way to connect is to do high lows. Like, what was your high of the day and what was your low? And if you create an environment and a culture, now we did high lows at other times, but if you create like a, just an ongoing family time where you're hearing their lows, the Holy Spirit can be like, ah, follow up on that in private. You know what I mean? Like he can kind of, you kind of know what your kids are going through. And then, and then just, and then have a prayer time, you know? And it may be like, we're going to go around a circle and everybody pray or one person pray or whatever, and then just be done. You know, it doesn't, 
Family time, I think it needs to be more about connection than, than hearing the word of God. Now, when they're young, you get memorize scripture. You, know, you can make the scripture fun, but I just think as they get older, if you have that connection time, they'll feel very, feel very connected with you, and then they're more likely to share what they're going through with you and stuff. So that is for preachers, kids. Don't preach yeah. out and make it a connection time. Even now, we try to have a family night, mm-hmm. which is challenging because we have, like, boyfriends and fiancés and trying to get them all, and they live in different places. They all get to come. They all get to come. They're all invited. Yep. And but they all have to do high lows, so. <laughs> which is funny because, like, her, sometimes her parents will be at family night, and they're not used to high lows. Yeah, they're not used to high lows, so, so sometimes it can get awkward. <laughs> you know, just the... <laughs> just do it awkward. Just do it awkward. You know? It is what it is. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so any other questions or anything about family or... Yes. So... Starting out, you know, obviously very involved. Um, how, how do you guys just work together well without arguing? Who um, said we didn't argue? <laughs> <laughs> did you, yeah, so I guess well, how did you navigate that part? Like, I, I pastored a church plant, and uh, it was actually, you know, I took over the church that I was a part of helping plant. I didn't know what the heck I was doing in the beginning. It took me a couple years to realize, okay, I gotta be a pastor. But, uh, but my wife was very, um, she did everything. She's, she's behind the scenes. She's, she's a beast. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she's a professional white collar. You know, she's got a career she's all over the place. So she's either doing work work or she's doing church work. And there's no, there's nothing else. And I'm just like, this isn't working. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was told I need to fire her. And I was like, she's the best one I got. Right. There's no easy an- there's no easy answer and, and through the journey like when the kids were little and Martha was less involved and then then there were seasons where she was more involved in either leading worship or this and that and then um, in recent years she was on our lead team and so she's sitting there alongside of me and that had its challenges you know and we had to learn how to like she was sit further than sitting at the other end of the table like she would sit next to me and if I was kind of saying something that maybe she thought I should like hold back on she'll like nudge me at the table and I'll be like I understood like okay I'm going to back off of that um, we tried to have the meeting before the meeting so like I wasn't perfect at it but I tried to go like okay if there's something that's going to come up in this next meeting I want to give her a heads up on it so she doesn't hear it for the first time around the table now we're in a season where Martha is not on lead team and she has she's still on staff and she um, is involved in um, the Freedom Connect groups and prayer ministry and, and also obviously still the, the mom of the house but then she also has a whole new, I don't know if you want to tell them about that eventually, but like a whole leadership network that she's uh, helping um, a lot of, not just women, but men uh, be set free and so she's got that on the, the foundation of that late and so that's been a little, now we're in a new season, right? Because she's not in the loop like she used to be. So now I, my job is to make sure she doesn't feel disconnected but in the loop and let her be in the loop. And, and there may be some things like I bounce off of her like, hey, what are your thoughts on this? And so that because she's – I believe that your, your, your spouse, your wife is your, is your secret weapon because the Holy Spirit can speak to you through them. And they're going to keep you from getting blindsided. So I look at Martha and I used to like – be tempted to kind of like blow her off but then I'm like wait a second the Holy Spirit may be speaking to her speaking through her to me to protect me because I'm not going to see everything 
And so we need people in our life that can see our blind sides. And so she did that in youth ministry and, and even as a pastor. So um, don't look at, at your spouse as the enemy, but look at yeah. them as like they're a partner. They're going to help me see things that maybe I can't see. And um, so what would you add to that? Yeah, so it, it is hard to work together because, you know, especially for a strong woman, you've got to submit, you know. And um, and I, I laugh when you're like, you want to fire. I know there's a gazillion times you want to fire me, and there's none times I was like, I was like, I am quitting. And then you will totally appreciate and know what I do, and, you know. So I wasn't, didn't have the right heart, so I couldn't quit. And I said, well, but, you can quit, but you're still the pastor's, yeah. pastor's wife. Yeah. Which that would make me so mad. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, ah. So, but I will say now that now that we have life coaches, you know, we finally just said we got to get a coach, and we've done counseling and all that stuff. But um, and if you can't afford a coach, I'd try to find a couple that you could both talk to because you've got to have somebody to reel your wife in at times, somebody to say, hey, you need to step into this. You've got to, you know, and and it can't all be her job and and work. You know, you've got to have the fun elements. In it, but I know, like when, you know, when you're mad, when I'm mad at him because of a decision he made at church, I don't want to go have fun with you. You know what I mean? It's like I don't want to spend the evening with you on a date night. You know, so sometimes it's just so. Um, and it, but because he and, I, and one thing I love that they said this whole conference is you got to work on you, got to work on you. You know, she's got to work on her. So Matt was an avoider, and I was a vacillator. Which part of the thing of vacillators is they swoop in and fill voids. So if ever a staff member quit, I was like, I'll oversee youth ministry. I'll oversee church steps. I'll oversee, you know what I mean? And so looking back, I should have just said, no, let's wait. I don't need to step in and be the savior of everything, you know, and um, let Matt kind of figure it out. So, but those were some of our unhealthy And she's, she's that talented enough that she could swoop in and do a really good job, probably better than the person that just left. <laughs> so it was kind of hard to say, no, don't do that. Right. So, you know, but those were our deficiencies that we had to work on, you know. And um, so in this new season, um, work, we, we've had life coaches kind of just helping Matt because he's leading at a different level. And right. We're in different, you know, we're doing things at different levels that we've never done before. And um, so Matt's on... So Matt's the pastor. I was on lead team. Our daughter became the assistant. My son's in the worship ministry. I was overseeing the worship ministry. My son's girlfriend, um, who they're very serious, was my assistant. I mean, we were getting so, like, this is ridiculous. If there's one family argument, we're doomed. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're... So, and God had been opening the door just... um, just it was already starting to open for me to do some life coaching and helping leaders, not just pastors wise. I didn't want to be pigeonhole I, I didn't want to just be that because a lot a lot of pastors' wives and leaders just struggle with the same thing if it's ministry outside of ministry. And so um, so I'm at a whole new season of doing more coaching. Literally I I work on a women's basketball team as a leadership coach, helping with their mental capacity, uh, college women's basketball team. And um, that door opened. I've been doing that for three years and stuff. And so just all sorts of new things are opening for me to be an ambassador for C3 and stuff. But, um, but I mean, working together can be great. You just have to work at it. And you cannot be afraid. Matt could not be afraid of me. You can't be afraid of your wife, you know. And, and she's got to learn to 
submit and trust God. And so that's way I'm that like, that is so easy to sit here and tell you, you know, but I know uh, I'm knowing what's all, I know what all is stirring behind that. You're like, I am not like that. I mean, I know there are times Matt was like, I'm not telling her. No, I, we were in meetings where Matt would be like, he would, he would, Nate, why don't you tell Martha our game plan? Because he didn't want to tell me the game plan because he's like, I have to go home with her. That's you true. don't. So you tell her the game plan. <laughs> so I know. <laughs> it didn't so work too I well. All those dyna- oh, Nate would totally tell you in a heartbeat. He was like, I, when, when Matt would be like, Nate, why don't you tell her? He would just hang and his head. And then he would just stare at me. Be like, then I have to tell him what he's supposed to tell the team. Remind him. <laughs> But, you know, that's what we had to get healthy ourselves, you right. know. And as we've gotten healthier, we've led the team healthier. And, um, you know, and so so it is challenging, but it can be great fun, too. I mean, we're just telling you that. But when you get healthy, it can be super fun. You're each other's biggest cheerleaders and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it, it can happen. You just have to work at it. And I, I had to learn to be a good listener, you know. So ask her how she's feeling. So how does that make you feel? You know, and then just sit back and listen and then ultimately ask, so what do you need from me? And that's not something I was naturally good at. So I had to learn how to how to be a good listener. So if your wife is your secret secret weapon, then ask her what she thinks. Ask her how she's feeling. And then ultimately say, well, how can I what, what do you need from me when you feel this way? When you feel angry, when you feel tired, when you feel rejected or whatever it is, whatever word she shares, then so what do you need from me? And most of the time, it's like what, what, what you just did the last 20 minutes or 30 minutes. You just listened to me. That's what I needed. Mm-hmm. Somebody that you, know, that you, that you care enough to ask. So. Right. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned something. You put on a YouTube video and the kids can just lock in and everything's good. Then you get into the teenage years, you know. Have you guys had experience with like, an introvert kid that uh, you, you know, check off the family night together and try to do everything that you possibly can? Yeah, so I would say there were seasons, I mean, for all of our kids, like there was um, uh, seasons where they were super into it and seasons where they weren't. And you know what? We just had to let them, you know, be on their journey with God. And so it was like, here was the thing we always told our kids. We serve be, not because you're the preacher's kid, but because we ask every Christian to, to be, to serve and be in a connect group and attend a service. Like serve one, attend one, and be in a connect group. So that's our expectation of you, not because you're a pastor's kid, but because you're a Christian, you know? And, and so if they weren't all excited and all about it, then you know what? I had to go at least there in church. You know, they're in church, they're in church, you know? And, and there seriously were seasons where they were on the, our, our, all of our students, they just kind of a little bit more, for whatever reason, Hillsong flow. They're all up front during worship and all that. And I mean, there were seasons where, you know, they would be up front, but their arms were crossed, you know. Now, here's, here's my, here's the thing as parents. No, who cares? There's other kids with their arms crossed up there, right? You go, you go, <gasps> Everybody's looking at the preacher's kid with their arm crossed thinking, what did we do to mess up that our kid did? You know what I mean? Like it becomes more about what people are saying about me as a mom or you as a dad than what our kids are doing, you know? And so you just have to be, like one time a staff member said, 
you know, you should know better because you're the preacher's kid. And I, in front of that person, in front of my kids, said, no, just like your kid would know or not know better. They, they do that because they're a Christian who cares if they're a preacher's kid, you know. So the staff member kind of, oh, yeah, you know, but I said it in front of my kid for a reason. It doesn't matter your preacher's kid. We want to make the right choice either way. So sometimes you just have to go, okay, God, we are, this is a planting season. Seeds are being planted. Yeah. You know, people in the church may judge us because they're not as passionate, but whatever, you know, and let your kids be, go on their own journey, you know. There was a it's pa- hard. It is hard, though, because you're like, come on, you know. There was a pastor that, uh, founding pastor, and um, his son, elementary age, is going around telling everybody, my dad's a pastor, and so you have to do this. And, yeah, you know, he like bossing people around. He's, he's just a kid, you know. Open that door. I need to go in that room. And he's like, I'm, I'm pastor's son, you know. And so then um, word got back to the pastor. He's, he's in the ark. And, and, and he says, son, you can't be going around telling everybody that you're, that you're my son. You can't. You can't you're the pastor's son. That you're the pastor's son. You can't go around and do that and demand everything. You can't do that. He said, okay, dad. So like the next week, somebody came up to him and said, aren't you uh, pastor so-and-so's son? He said, well, I thought I was, but the other day, my dad told me he wasn't. <laughs> I thought he was my and dad. They had to fix that. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. One more. I'm curious to know, like, the middle years where you're, like, shuffling kids around, sports, um, how did you manage that tension during those years where you like tons of homework? What did that look like for you as a as a mom being right. in vocational ministry? Yeah, so let me be honest. So we homeschooled. So we didn't have homework at night because you, when you homeschool, you work in the day and then, you know. But I mean, we still, that was still like that was my time and stuff. But, um, and so we limited what they could be involved in. They didn't get to be involved in anything, they could do a sports and music. And Matt wanted to do sports. I wanted to do music, and so those were our interests. And um, and then they had they were in Christian youth theater. We had a huge, great Christian youth theater program. So we kind of limited what they could do. It wasn't like you can do three sports teams and you can be on every dance team and you can do you know. And even when they were on um, the dance team, I went to the leader and said, "No, they're not going to miss every Sunday," you know, um, not because of the preachers' kids, but because church is important and they're going to know that it's important. And, um, and like, even, even with our kids, we didn't start them. They were not four years old taking dance and playing softball. We, they were a little bit older than the national norm because we were like, no, we're going to have family time and we're going to make it fun. We're going to play with them and stuff, you know? And we, I just always said, you know, if, if they may miss the, you know, they may not start dancing until they're older, but if it's gifted and God's on in it, they'll just be great. And, I mean, they were invited to all sorts of competition teams and this team and that team and stuff. But it just it, and, but it just could never take – they'd miss every once in a while, you know, for this or that. But it couldn't be the norm. You know, right. church was the most important. And, uh, but um, the middle year – so uh, for us, let, let me be honest, just even about – but, I mean, we just – you know, we're tired. They just went to everything and stuff. But the hard part – and I will – in the middle years for our kids was um, we had um, a staff member that was uh, our children's minister, and she was great at involving young people in kids' ministry. 
and, and believing in getting them plugged in and, and just mentoring them and loving on them. And she was like, youth pastors might come and go, but it was like the children's minister was there. And with one of our kids, she was a huge mentor. And some things happened, and um, her and her husband and family left the church and took two or three families, not a whole lot, two or three families with them, but they were all our oldest daughter's best friends and mentor. So that was really hard. But here's here's where we messed up. You know, we weren't as healthy then as we are now is we um, we let her vent and stuff, but we didn't do a good job of comforting, comforting her through it and really probably should have taken her through some grief steps, you know, just really walking her through, like, this is a huge loss for you. We know it. Like, we just didn't, you know, I we, we let her cry and we let her vent, but we didn't really know how to comfort her and do that kind of stuff. And we were in our own, our world was spinning. And so... You know, we just didn't do a good job with that. And so after, you know, she kind of went through some real like, okay, I'm going to go to church, but I'm not going to let it hurt me again, you know. So she's kind of still working through that a little bit. But, you know, our goal now that we have adult children and that even when they were in high school and stuff, we just want to stay connected. We want to be the people they talk to. We want to be the people they call. So no matter what choices they're making, they're, they're talking to us. And I will say that they have all gone through their own stuff, even my son, and their own issues, and they talk to us. You know, my son came to my, came and said, Mom, I need to talk to you about something, and, and I want you to be my accountability partner in it. I was like, me? Are you sure? I'm your mom, you know? And he's like, no. And I said, well, you also need to have somebody else, but I don't mind it. But it just shows that was the most important thing to us is like if they will stay in relationship with us and we don't, and even in the rebellion, it can be against the church. God can redeem and fix all that. We just don't want it to be, I hate mom and dad. Now, well, I'm not going to be a kid pleaser. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you're going to follow, there's going to be certain rules. So we had to hone in on our parenting skills and how can we have conversations and the hard conversations and develop things. But so now as as they talk to us, you know, and, um, you know, they, we do life together and stuff. So, and two of them, you know, Caroline's Matt's assistant, you know, so. I would add one more thing, like with sports and activities and stuff like that. Like Caleb played soccer and they had some tournaments on Sunday, and I would just get the schedule ahead of time, and I would have somebody else preach for me, or may have somebody take him, and I would come to the, you know, come after the service was over with. But I wouldn't feel guilty about that, rearranging my schedule. It's only a season. Yeah. You know, it's only for a short time. So I didn't want them to grow up thinking they had to miss out on stuff because they were a PK. Same time, you got to, it has to be balanced. But it, we made it work. And... The church never knew. In fact, if anybody did, be like, oh, wow, that's cool. Like, Pastor Matt went to the soccer tournament, right? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't every week. But we, right. would, we would figure out a way to make it happen. And there was occasionally something that he would miss. But, um, yeah, so I would just, on the other side of that, don't feel guilty for your kids being involved in, in community sports and events and stuff. But have a balance, yeah. obviously. So good. Well, look, it's four, so we don't want to keep you guys back. We'll be here, so if you have any other questions or you have our email. And can I pray for you guys before we dismiss? Well, I just thank you, Lord, for uh, every person here, God. I know, God, they're 
they love you, God, and they want to serve you with all their heart. And God, that's why they're here at this conference. And they want to raise their children up in a, in a way that would just change the world. And so God, I just declare right now that the devil has no business messing with their marriage, with their family, with their children. In Jesus' name, Lord, I declare their children are going to be world changers. God, they're going to be overcomers. God, they're going to live out their purpose and their destiny. God, they're not going to be another casualty of a, of a ministry family. But God, they're going to, they're going to just flourish in their gifts that you've given to them and their talents. And Lord, those that aren't old enough to understand yet, Lord, when they are old enough that they would receive you as their Lord and yes. Savior and just flourish and grow mm-hmm. and live out all that you have for them. But I pray for these marriages, Lord, that you would protect them. Mm-hmm. God, that you would give them the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And God, they would know God is a safe, uh, safe place to, to, to be real and to be honest and to build relationships here with the ark. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.